0: When you hear me say 2020, what comes to mind? Ponder that. When I say 2020, what comes to mind? Prior to the year that we're living in right now, if I would have said 2020, you would have thought 2020 vision, 2020 eyesight. Hindsight is 2020. However, now that we are 361 days into the year 2020, you hear 2020 and it has one of two reactions. One, this was one of the best years ever. Or two, like most people, this is one of the hardest years of your life. Regardless of where you stand on that pendulum, 361 days, we are all still here this morning. So for me, if you know me well, this won't be a surprise. If you don't know me well beyond the title of student pastor, this will be a shock to you. I love numbers. I love details. I love planning. And I love doing life in the season of life that we're in right now. For me, I like to plan ahead. So for me, going into the 2020, I had everything that we were going to do in ministry on paper in October of 2019 all my events, all my lessons, all of our series, everything was on paper in October of 2019. I was ready to go. I look on that paper in January of 2020, we had Passion with our college students down in Georgia. Also on paper, we had Crossroads Winter Conference with all of our middle school and high school students in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And yet, it was all of these situations that I had planned that actually went according to plan. And yet, February comes and goes according to plan. The beginning of March, I find out that we're pregnant. Life-changing news again. And yet on March the 15th, 2020, we gathered together in this sanctuary. We celebrated 125 years of Mount Airy Baptist Church. It was an awesome day of celebration, of worship, of prayer, and remembering the good times over the last 125 years. Little did we know that gathering together on that Sunday morning in this sanctuary, that it would be one of the last Sundays that we got to worship normal. And I think if we would have known that, I don't know if it would have changed anything. That was such a glorious day together. In the coming weeks and months and even the rest of the year ahead, there were plans that were canceled. There were plans that were changed. There were plans that took place like normal. But as we focus on 2020, if we dwell on all the things that did not happen, this is a bad, depressing year. But if we focus so much on the things that didn't happen, we miss the things that did. So for me, I, studying for this message, I was thinking back through what did happen for me. What do I get to celebrate? And I got to tell my three-year-old daughter that she was going to be a big sister. Y'all, let me tell you, there is no joy like getting to tell a three-year-old that you're going to be a big sister. She got to have a photo shoot, a gender reveal. It was absolutely awesome. And yet from there, I also got to celebrate my five-year wedding anniversary with my wife. I also got to drive to the houses of all of the students in our student ministry. I got to write on their driveway in chalk, we are praying for you. I got to give them a goodie bag and a handwritten note that says, hey, we're thinking about you in this time. Because for many of our students, this year was one of the most unprecedented and craziest years of their school life. We also had the opportunity to spend a morning with one of the most influential and interesting men I've ever met, Colonel Motley. This was a morning during quarantine where myself, Brad, Jason, and my intern Drew, we got to go to the Colonel's house and we just sat there and listened. What we thought would be a quick 30, 45 minute house visit ended up turning into an entire morning together. He later passed away in 2020. So I look at this picture, thankful that I took it. A selfie, a man that probably had not taken many selfies in his life, is in one of my most memorable 2020 moments. I also got to officiate one of the most beautiful outdoor weddings of two former students. I was able to baptize several students even here this year. Some on the steps, some down in the L.C. in a trough. I was able to have VBS albeit it was completely different this year, I was able to be a part of telling children about Jesus and missions. And I'm thankful nobody has a picture of me in Reggie Rulebook. However, we also had a return to school. It was different, but it was a little bit more normal. We had a return to in-person gathering here at church. It was spread out. It was completely different than we had ever done church before. But for me, I also got to worship with my three-year-old in those days. We had Skittles galore on the top of the walking track because it's what kept her focused. It's what kept her focused on worship. And yet, what many people saw as a hindrance of not having childcare became one of the biggest blessings of 2020. I got to worship with my family. And for me, we keep going through here. Like I told you, I had a lot of plans in 2020. I wanted to be in Africa in 2020. I wanted to go see our partners, the Lawsons. But as fate would have it, I saw the Lawsons here in America. We ate Mexican in and Anderson in the United States instead of eating chapati in Africa. You would have never been able to tell me that that would happen prior to this year. And one of my favorite things that 2020 brought us. It brought us home groups. It brought us small groups in homes for our student ministry. Obviously, we can't gather together in the large groups that we want to, so we started home groups and if you can see the pictures, you have middle school and high school boys and girls in all their groups and The joy that these leaders and these students have together is something that is completely unmatched by the rest of the year for me. Because we have students that are a part of these small groups that were never a part of our ministry prior to March. People are looking to get connected. People are looking for somewhere to belong. And obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention November the 15th, right around 11 o'clock, during what would be the 11 o'clock service, my second daughter was born. For me, I look at this little picture of my family and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the things that did happen. I'm thankful for the blessings and all the things that I could mention. I don't dwell on the things that didn't happen, but realize the things that did are things that we can celebrate, things that we can enjoy. So as we look through, God had other plans. March of 2020, April, May, June, July, I could go on and on. God had other plans. If you would, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's a passage that many of us know. It's a passage that all of us have heard before. And for many of us in here this morning, this is a passage that we have memorized. It's something that every single one of us today also needs to be reminded of. Says this in verse 5 Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So, as we dive into this passage, we are reminded of several things, several key commands, and one key promise. And these two verses bring so much to our lives. Our first point is this Where are you placing your trust? Where are you placing your trust? Our passage says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You hear the word trust and many things come to mind. For all of us in here this morning, we trust consciously and subconsciously every single day. For me, I trust the architect that built my house that it's gonna stand. For all of us, we trust the craftsman made this pew that it's gonna hold you the entire service. For us, we trust the pilot of the airplane. He's gonna get us from our destination to our next place. Every single one of us has to trust the bank with our money. So whether we are trusting consciously or subconsciously, we exercise trust every single day. The question comes up, though. What do you trust when it actually matters? When life gets tough, when things are out of your control, where do you place your trust? For many of us here this morning, this question is one that, for us, has various answers in various times of life. The secular world and the church alike both wrestle with this. When tough times come, people can turn to biblical answers. People can turn to awesome, great, wholesome remedies. Or we can choose to escape reality and the things that we choose that are man-made to help us escape that reality that do not bring the true fulfillment in life. It reminds me of a passage in Psalms, Psalms 118 verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It reminds us that even when things are seemingly out of control, that you have no grasp of control. It is better to find your refuge in God than it is to find it in these things that are man-made. There's another illustration that is also so huge in understanding the the fact of trusting God wholeheartedly, and it's in Jeremiah thirty seven, sorry, Jeremiah seventeen. Jeremiah seventeen verse seven and eight. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is this man who trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out roots by the stream. He does not fear when heat comes, for his leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. This is essentially saying that when the tough times came, the tree was unchanged and undaunted not because of anything the tree had done outside of having its roots by the stream, by water that was living water. And that's the same point for us this morning. We can understand that when our roots are grounded in what it should be, when we place ourselves near the stream that is the living water, that is Jesus, when the tough times come, we don't have to be undaunted and unchanged. We have to realize that he is still in control. He had this whole thing planned out. That leads us to our second thing. We don't know everything. This is one that working with teenagers and, and having a three year old, I get to see all the time. We don't know everything. Even me, I'm almost 30, I don't know everything. My three year old, who is three, thinks she knows everything. We don't know everything. The pastor says do not lean on your own understanding. This command is very similar to the first. It deals with the trust and the faith conversation. And yet this one points to what we should not be doing. The first, what you should do. You should trust in the Lord with all your heart. This one, you should not lean on your own understanding. And the awesome part in studying this passage is you have to realize you can't be doing the first and also be doing the second at the same time. You can't trust God with all of your heart, but also say, like, you know what, God, I got this on my own. You can't be doing both at the same time. So the next time a situation comes up and you say, okay, I trust God, but I got this under control. Realize, are you really trusting God with your whole heart? Are you trusting him with everything? And we keep going throughout scripture. And this is an example that we all know. It's one that we've all heard before. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. People doing things on their own understanding, thinking that they know more than God. Genesis 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded man and saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. The rest of chapter two is God making Eve, Adam and Eve getting to know each other. And then you turn over to chapter three and the very next chapter, verse two, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6 changes everything. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. They thought that their understanding of the situation was bigger than God's plan. Ultimately, the decision for both of them to take and eat of that fruit led to years and generations and generations and generations for all of eternity of promises of pain, destruction, and separation. They chose that fruit and that knowledge over physically walking with God in a perfect Garden of Eden. They thought that they knew everything. They were mistaken. But isn't that where life happens? We know that we should be trusting God. We know that we shouldn't be trying to do it all on our own, that we don't know everything. And yet, these verses in Proverbs are the ones that we have to remind ourselves of every single day. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. We remind ourselves of this. But when the tough times come, do we live it out? We know it's true when somebody comes to us for advice or for prayer and we say, hey, you know what? God's faithful. God is true. He's gonna keep his promises. We can encourage people all day long. When the tables are turned and it's our own life, is it as easy to understand that God is still just as faithful and just as true in our life as he is in our friends? Because for many of us, we have to realize that it's the same God in their situation that is in ours. He is just as faithful in our life keep his promises that he isn't theirs. And day in and day out, there's gonna be times where you want to lean on your own understanding, knowing that God is still faithful. But you know what? I think I know better. I'll let you in on a secret. You don't. None of us do. God is faithful and he is in control. And this is one of my favorite things. In doing research this week, somebody used this quote. And it says this, we know that trust is by its definition, not even trust without ever being tested or proven. And that, that caught me off guard a little bit. And you start to think, like, oh, yeah, I have trust. I have faith in God. Well, how much faith do you have until it's tested? How much trust do you have until it's tested? When it's out of your control, you have no choice but to trust and have faith. And it reminds us of a situation. Every single time that God puts us in situations to test our faith and to test our trust, and he allows us to be in those situations, we have a choice. Choice number one, we have the opportunity to believe that he is God, his promises are true, and his word is faithful. Or two, we have the opportunity to think that we can do it on our own. We love the illusion of being in control. We all do. And yet every single time, we try to do option number two and do it ourselves, it'll fail. We all choose number two way more often than we should. We're all cognizant of that. We all understand that we choose option two of doing it by ourselves more than we ever should. But we also know that number one, choosing to put our faith and our trust in God leads to the true fulfillment in life that we have been designed and created for And that's where the joy is. In our humanity, we try to understand, but we don't fully comprehend all the things that God has planned. That leads us to our third point. God deserves it all. Our passage says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This is literally trusting God with our entire heart, encouraging us to invite him into your everyday life. The big parts and the small parts. The awesome part here is he wants to be a part of everything that you do. He doesn't wanna be a helicopter God that just hovers and waits for you to make a mistake and say, ha, I got you again. He wants to be a God that is involved in everything that you do and every aspect of your life because he has created you and designed you for a purpose. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you and your life. He doesn't wait for you to mess up. He waits for you to invite him in. There's an illustration in a book and it's called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. It's a a good book. It's a short, easy read. And for me, as one that has a wife, a three-year-old daughter, and now a six-week-old daughter, it helps me understand that, okay, men and women are different. Check, I got that part. But they also think differently. They're wired differently. The way they act is different. And just all the things that we should know, but you start to understand that, okay, I think like this and my wife thinks like this. She's not wrong. I'm not wrong. We just, well, actually, no, normally I am wrong. But it's just one of those things you start to understand that we're wired differently, we think differently. And in doing research this week and the past weeks before this message, somebody used this illustration for this part of our passage. And having the book on my bookshelf, I was like, okay, that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So when you think about our culture today, our culture is very waffle-esque, It has a lot of segments. It has a lot of compartments. You have areas of your life that are very similar to this. This is a stock image off of the internet. This is not a picture of my breakfast, just so everybody knows. But for some of us, we see this waffle and we're like, oh, yeah, that brings me joy. It is perfectly square. Every single square is the exact same. I am one of those people. That brings me joy. However, for some of you, you're like, okay, that's a waffle. Let's just dump the syrup on it and just get to town. But we start thinking about our culture. A waffle is divided into all these little squares for a reason. And so is our life. You think about this going to school, going to work, playing on a travel ball team, serving on a committee, serving the school, whatever it might be, that's your public life. So your public life starts to fit in a little square. Well, you add a few more compartments your favorite TV show, your favorite music, your favorite football teams, your favorite college team, go Liberty. You spend time with your family and friends they know a little bit more about you but not everybody knows this part that's your private life another segment we add in going to church serving at church activities at church we call this your church self and then the final little section here your thought life how you spend your quietest moments when no one else is around how we escape our reality how we care or don't care for our body this is our inner self And as you start to look at the waffle, you start to look at the segments, you start to see that everything is starting to break out and they're separate from one another. But the question is this, why is our culture designed this way? Did God make it this way or have we as a sinful culture created this? And I'm here to tell you that this is so embedded in our culture that we believe that this is the way that God intended it to be. And it's not. This isn't how God designed it to be. He doesn't want to be a part of just the bottom left church self. He doesn't want to be just a part of the top left public self. Let everybody see this, but that's not what's in private. God wants to be a part of every single part of your life. And that's where the other side of this illustration comes into play, the spaghetti. If you love spaghetti, this illustration is perfect for you. If you hate spaghetti, tune me out for 60 seconds. I promise it'll be good after that. Giant heaping plate of spaghetti. You don't know where one noodle ends and one begins. There's sauce all over the place. There's meat. There's noodle. It's just all in there together. And if we took our lives and we put them all together and we mixed them all up, shook them up, and you put them on a plate, instead of being a waffle and you made it more like spaghetti, you start to see how God intended your life to be. God doesn't want to just be a part of one area of your life. He wants to be a part of the whole thing. God doesn't want to be a part of just the good stuff. He wants to be a part of the bad not just the public stuff, the hidden stuff. Every area of your life, God wants to be involved. And we think back to countless examples throughout Scripture, but one of my favorites this week, just studying more, is Daniel chapter 3 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and he had made a giant golden statue. This is a story you've also seen in Veggie Tales. Nebuchadnezzar made a giant chocolate bunny. And regardless of whether it's the chocolate bunny or a golden statue, the choice was the same for our three characters. They had to make this choice. And in verse 16, we see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. The faith and the trust of these three men was strong enough to say in the face of adversity, we serve the one true God. We don't serve the created God that you have made in front of us to bow down to. And it would be one thing if they just got to make this decision in private and quiet and nobody ever knew about it. But the way that it was set up, their kingdom that they were living in alongside of thousands and thousands of other people is when the music played, you stopped, you bowed down, and you worshipped Nebuchadnezzar's statue. So for these three men, they're standing up, they're working alongside of all these people, they're eating alongside of all these people. You're doing everything with these people. The music plays. And they stand firm. They stand up for truth. They believe in God. They don't believe in the gold statue that is in front of them. So for them, this wasn't an opportunity to make a decision in private that nobody else will see. This is a decision that affected every single area of their life. Because you know what? If you were sleeping and the music played, you woke up and you worshiped the gold statue. If you were eating and the music played, you stopped and you worshiped the gold statue. So for them, this was the decision that every single time that every single person around them was making the conscious decision to go contrary to the word of God. They stood firm for truth. And the question comes, when we have the opportunity to do the same, do we? For each of us to experience God's empowerment is to let him be a part of every aspect of our life. And the cool part about this is there's no separation between what is sacred and what is secular, what is public, what is private, what is your church self and what is your inner self. Because our fourth point is the one promise in this passage. God has a plan. God has a plan. And in our passage it says, he will make straight your paths. You hear that and whether it's he will make your straight paths or whether he will make your path straight or he will direct your steps, depending on your version and your translation, they all point back to the same thing. He is going to direct your steps. He has a plan. He has a path for you. And yet when you hear this, when I was a little bit younger and I was a little naive in my faith, just understanding, okay, God will make my path straight. Awesome, come to Jesus, life is easy, check. But every single one of us in here can attest that just because you become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean your path is going to be easy. But what it does mean is that in the end of the hard times, that God is still just as faithful in the end as he was at the beginning. And for all of us this morning, we have to realize that he is faithful throughout that journey. When the path is not exactly as straight as you would think it would be, he is still the God in that. One of my favorite things to do is to travel to new places, experience some new things, and I love photography. So when I read this passage again this week, I was reminded of three different roads. Um, Two I've been on, one I've seen pictures of, I've never been there, but hopefully it's on my bucket list to be there one day. And the first one is this. This was uh, an image from a time-lapse video that I took when I was over in Kenya. Now, I'll let you know the path that we took was one left turn and three right turns. That's it. It was an hour and a half drive. And this video, which I took an hour and a half and I made it 25 to 30 seconds with literally one left turn and then right turn, right turn, right turn, like that's it, was far from relaxing. Relaxing. If you've ever been in a foreign country and you think that, okay, we drive, like, okay, we drive on this side of the road, I'm in this seat, and that's how you do it. It is the exact opposite. Everything you think of driving in America, it is the opposite. They drive on the other side of the road, the steering wheel's on the other side of the car, they pass each other on, they don't care where the lines are, like, it's just all over the place. But we knew our starting point, we knew our ending point, and we knew it wasn't a lot of steps to get there, the path was mostly straight. But sometimes... It's those one or two little turns in our own life. They're like, oh, that was drastic. That was the same way we are there. You're pulling out in front of cars that are zipping by everywhere around. And yet you see the second picture. The second picture is from the dashboard of my vehicle in Essex Park, Colorado. It was the trip of a lifetime. I was there with my wife, my mother and father-in-law. We were there for 48 hours. That's an interesting story. I'll tell you one time if you wanna know. But this picture here is lined with beautiful trees on both sides of the road. The path in front of us is straight as can be for miles and miles and miles in front of us. I'm wearing shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt in Colorado in August when this picture was taken. I'll let you in on a secret. It's cold at the top of the mountain. In case you didn't know that, it's cold at the top of the mountain. So for me, I thought I was well-prepared at the bottom of this journey. By the time we finish our straight path and start taking a windy path to the top of the mountain, you're at the top of the Rocky Mountains, and it's snowing in August. For those of you that don't know, I was born and raised in Virginia. Now I live in South Carolina. We don't see a ton of snow, and I have never seen snow in August. So for me, my path, I thought I had all of the equipment that I needed. I was sadly mistaken. Now look at the third picture. This isn't my picture. It was the famous Lombard Street in San Francisco, California. It's one of the windiest, steepest residential roads in America. And if you look at it, the bottom of the picture where the crosswalk is, you can see a man standing there just for... Illustration purposes, you can understand that that isn't a straight line with the rest of the picture. The path from the top to the bottom of that hill, they're parallel, they're running the same way, and yet it is the windiest street that you can find. And isn't that how life feels sometimes? We know where we are and we know where we're going, we just don't know what it's going to take to get there. And every single one of us, we have to realize that even though that feels like your daily journey, God still has a plan. God still is in in control. Our passage here isn't saying that every step is gonna be easy. We know contrary to that, that our path is not easy. And yet the biblical character that jumps off the page to me is that of David. And catch me if you've said this this year, this is definitely not how I thought this was going to go. That's a phrase many of us have uttered this year. And if you look at the life of David, you could probably say the same for him. This is not how I thought this was going to go. David was the anointed king of Israel. He was considered a hero for defeating Goliath. He led countless military campaigns. He had a high position of authority. He even married the king's daughter. he had it all. And yet, Saul's in the equation still. David spends 10 years of his life running and hiding, cave to cave, hiding place to hiding place, knowing that God had a plan. And yet, when he's in a cave, how easy do you think it is to be like, God, where are you? You've told me I'm going to be a king. I'm hiding for 10 years. God, you've made a promise that you're going to protect me and my family. Where are you now? God, you made me a promise, and you fill in the blank. Where are you now? God was there the entire time, and God is with us the entire time. David eventually became king, and because of his circumstances, because of his history and his life, he understood how to better be a leader because of it. When somebody came to him and said, hey, you know what, David, I'm I'm struggling with this. He's like, hey, I've been there. He's able to empathize. He's able to say, God was faithful for me and he'll be faithful for you. That's the same for us today. Many of us in here will have people that come to us in 2021 saying, hey, I'm struggling with fill in the blank. And we say, hey, you know what, I've been there. God is faithful. God is true and he will keep his promises. And the, the hard part with this is realizing that even though David's story was far from smooth and that our lives are far from smooth, that God is still faithful through it all. He had a plan the whole time. And this is the kicker for us. We have to remember this promise that God gives us. We can know that God knows where you are. God knows where you are going. And God knows the best way to get there. It's up to us to trust him with every single step of that journey. I'll say that again. God knows where you are. God knows where you're going. And God knows the best way to get there. I remember the words in Joshua 1 9. It says this Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter where your path leads, God is with you. This is one that we always hear be strong and courageous. But the rest of that, too. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter where your path takes you, God is still with you. Just as our passage says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So when the tough times come, the new year comes, the unexpected come, we have to remember these things we talked about this morning. Where are you placing your trust? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We have to remember that the faith that we place in him is so much greater than all the things that we can put our faith in that are man-made. Point two, we don't know everything. The passage, do not lean on your own understanding. We have to remind ourselves of this one daily. We don't know everything. We don't know how our circumstances play out in the light of eternity. And then we have our third point here. God deserves it all. Every area of your life, every aspect, the good, the bad, the hidden, the public, the private, every part of it, God deserves to be a part of it, and he wants to be a part of it all. And our fourth point we just talked about, God has a plan. He will make straight your paths. This is the reminder that he is the one that's ultimately directing our paths. They're not always going to be easy. They're not always going to be as straight as we might think. But when we know that he is the one that has a plan, that he is the one that's the perfect author and creator of our faith, we can remember the words of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For all of us here this morning, we have to lay down everything that holds us back from following him wholeheartedly. But there's also an encouragement here. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people that are in your corner that are cheering you on, whether they're physically beside you or whether they're a phone call away, whatever it is, they are cheering you on. But when you feel like you can't do it, you're like, I cannot do this. And you look for a perfect example, Jesus has given us one. Jesus has given us one because as we've celebrated Christmas this past week, the birth of Christ, we now look forward to the cross. He was born to die for our sins. He was born so we would have eternity with him instead of separation. So as we start to see all of these things, we remember that every single one of us here this morning has lived through 361 days of 2020. It's a number that for some of us feels so small and so quick. And for other of us, this has felt like years. And regardless of whether you're in the sanctuary, you're in the life center, you're watching online, we are all here today for a reason. So whether this has been the hardest year of your life, whether it's been one of the best of your life, we can remember that we can trust God with the days that are coming. We can trust him with this week and we can trust him with the year that's ahead. Every single one of us can put our trust and our faith in him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this morning you've allowed us to gather once again on this cool, brisk December morning, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity just to be here, just to be in your house, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to know that we can trust you, that we can put our faith in you, that you are ultimately the one that has a plan for our life. And all we have to do is put our faith in you. Lord, I thank you for who you are in my life. I thank you for sending your son to be born in that manger, to ultimately die on the cross for our sins, And Lord, I thank you for today. In your name I pray, amen.